This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Oscar Edmondson and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Simon Mayall, former British Army officer and Middle East advisor at the MOD. So last night, Britain and the US launched airstrikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen, whose attacks were disrupting trade in the Red Sea. Simon, I want to come to you first, because I think it'd be good maybe to get a little bit of background, maybe on who are the Houthis, why are they targeting this trade route, and also just your reaction on the decision that the government took last night. Yeah, certainly, Oscar. Thank you. The Houthis, um, you know, have been around for a very, very long time. They're a very militant, mountainous, tribal grouping uh, of Shia, viewed as heretics by many, even within the Shia community, because they're fivers, and certainly by the uh, majority Sunni uh, adherents of the of the Muslim world. But they've been a very powerful influence in North Yemen, uh, and of course, by dominating North Yemen uh, and eventually taking Sana, I think back in 2014, they've really become the the leading militant power within Yemen. They've got a huge amount of uh, internal problems themselves at the moment, uh, which is, I just say that as context for uh, a discussion of why they're doing what they're doing at the moment. Um, there, there's a big civil war going on uh, between the north and the south. It's a Sunni Shia, southern Yemen, northern Yemen divide that's been there for centuries. There's the presence of Islamic State there and uh, Al-Qaeda, who, of course, are, are very firmly jihadi Sunni militants who oppose uh, Shia, and particularly the Houthis in this case. Uh, there's a humanitarian crisis, which you will have reported on many times. There's a war with the Saudi Arabian-led coalition, which, of course, we are to an extent involved in because the Saudis using um, you know, Western, Western equipment. And, of course, they've been used widely as a proxy for uh, the Iranians um, in, in the region. And so given all they've got going at the moment, what's happened, of course, in Gaza, uh, Hamas and um, uh, Israel has given Iran a an opportunity to open up, uh, open up the um, uh, you know wide, widen the scope of operations, and the Houthis, along with Hezbollah, are to an extent being used by uh, by Iran in, in a very disruptive manner. The attacks, of course, on the Houthis uh, will undoubtedly change the balance of power within Yemen. So it's not really been in the Houthis' interests, uh, frankly, to try and disrupt international maritime trade because. However much somebody tries to sell this as the West supporting Israel in the, uh, the the Gaza situation, the reality is what we're doing on behalf of the whole global economy is trying to deter and defeat um, uh, basically a very, very, a very significant threat to the free movement of trade. So there's an old saying which I used to enjoy using in Iraq was, if you want to understand this problem, you're going to have to get yourself a bigger map. The connectivity is 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 huge uh, in this multi-layered issue, at, at which the centre, of course, is the latest strikes by the Americans ourselves and a number of other allies, certainly in operational support uh, on um, on the capacity of the Houthis to conduct these uh, these these strikes on tra- on maritime trade. And and do you think it was the right decision that was taken by the government? Because I mean, a, a lot of warning was given by the Ministry of Defence and also from Blinken in the US. Yeah, yes, I, I do. I, I think there reaches a certain stage where you cannot allow 
a militant group like the Houthis to be determining global trade. And they are, as I say, proxies. They have a certain agency of their own because the Houthis are notoriously ornery, as the Americans might say. Um, so they're not puppets of the Iranians, but certainly they are heavily supported. So to an extent, all roads lead back to Tehran at the moment. And as I say, there's very little in it for the Houthis putting themselves, frankly, on the receiving end of um, of Western, I, I would like to characterise as international strikes because they've got enough problems of their own conducting their own survival operations within Yemen. So a lot will depend on what the Chinese, the Indians, the Egyptians, the Saudis, the Americans can do to say to the Iranians, get get your attack dogs to back off, frankly, because there, there will be a price to pay. Because already the shipping uh, volumes going through the sewers have have are down to about two fifths, and I suspect they'll fall even further as people wait to see what the consequences of the strikes are. And for the Egyptians, of course, the um, the the trade the concessions, the, uh, uh, the you know the, the Suez Passage uh, revenue is absolutely critical. And of course, even if you're over in China, uh, the additional cost to your goods now coming to the West means you become less competitive. So there's an, an awful lot of people who need to be. Uh, Need, need to see that it's in all their interest to put pressure on the Iranians to make sure they're, uh, to call off their attack dogs in that particular part of the world. Mm. And, and Casey, this is obviously a huge moment for Rishi Sunak, sanctioning military action. How has the decision to go ahead with these airstrikes w- without a vote gone down in Westminster? I would say there's broad support. There's obviously a few exceptions. Um, I think as you mentioned, Oscar, you've had a situation where signals from the Defence Secretary, from the government, uh, from the US, from the White House, has been making clear that they might be taking this action. And you had a cabinet call last night. Obviously, the strike's taking place after that. Uh, so it received sign-off in that way. But you, you do not have a vote in the Commons before it happens. And... One part of that is that Rishi Sunak is today in Ukraine. So if he were to recall Parliament, uh, you know, on a, on a Friday, Parliament rose on Thursday, he would not be there. But also the timing in which they wanted to do the strikes in conjunction with the US and other Western allies meant you weren't going to be able to have a vote before and, and stick to stick to that. I think that you have seen Keir Starmer consulted along with his shadow defence secretary. I think as probably was quite predictable, you've had a few uh, figures come out. Jeremy Corbyn, for example, um, someone we know is uh, you know a, a proud member of Stop the War and took a very different foreign policy approach as Labour leader, has come out and said that this is disgraceful, Parliament recall, should be recalled, um, and has come out against the strikes. Mm. You also have the Liberal Democrats taking, I think, uh, you know, not as an extreme position, but saying Parliament should be recalled and Parliament has to be consulted. I think it's interesting looking back actually at something Keir Starmer said during his leadership campaign. Um, there's an interview that he did with Andrew Marler has been resurfacing this morning, where he was asked, would you ever support military action if you were the Labour leader in the House of Commons? He said, I would pass legislation that said military action could be taken. If first, the lawful case for it was made. Secondly, there was a viable objective. And thirdly, you got the consent of the Commons. Now, clearly those steps have not been taken this time around. But the implications of Keir Starmer is supporting it. Mm. And I think that his position, as with many Keir Starmer positions, has evolved slightly. So now they do say, oh, it would be better, but there'll be some exceptions where that doesn't apply. So I don't think Rishi Sunak is facing 
a big revolt from the commons today for these actions. I think, of course, what you've got to look at is what comes after this, whether events escalate. Rishi Sunak's language is uh, talking almost as though this is a one-off. He doesn't say explicitly, but I think that is the indication. Whereas Joe Biden has talked about, you know, we will go further if we need to. Now, if the US goes further, I would presume the UK is very likely to, to follow suit. Mm. But I think, you know, there'll be questions like that when the Commons returns on Monday. And then I think that the other uh, probably element in terms of the perspective in Downing clearly security, clearly the fact that this is being done uh, as a result of what they see as Israel-linked routes and so forth, but also inflation and what does this mean for the economy? Because you have a situation whereby I think already they're thinking, you know, we just had a month of probably quite good news on the economy mm. but this could really affect inflation it could really affect um growth in terms of the world economy because it's going to have this knock-on effect as we were just hearing mm. and, and simon could you maybe take us through what we can expect with regards to a response from the houthis and also how this could maybe escalate tensions in in the region yes uh, <clears throat> the houthis don't need to do a great deal you know most of those attacks were quite small scale they were dealt with by, uh, you know, HMS Diamond, the USS Eisenhower, etc. But it doesn't take much to scare the markets. And I don't say that critically at all. You know, this is a commercial decision. And uh, ship owners have a responsibility to their crews. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Either the Houthis wish to continue to conduct a campaign of trying to close the Bab al-Mandab. Um, and I say they can do it by threat, let alone, let alone strike. If people are not just not going through into the Red Sea and Suez Canal, that's as good as sinking a ship, frankly. Or it's whether in their own calculation, which is always very difficult to work out, they decide that they've done all they uh, were prepared to do in support of a wider Iranian mission. They've done all they feel they could do in support of the Palestinian cause, if you want to widen it. And that there's nothing much else in it for them other than getting really struck heavily. But if they do decide to continue it, then, as I say, we will get a, a complete a disjunction of, of international maritime trade. So everybody will pause now. I think everybody default will reroute around the canal. As Katie has said, there will be there will be consequences um, globally, economically. Um, if I may just take up one point that Katie said, and it is about the domestic policy. No, nothing, nothing to say on Katie's points, but it, it always worries me uh, an idea that we should go uh, not so back to Parliament. The government of the day must be held responsible and accountable to Parliament. But I do worry about the uh, continuing erosion of the royal prerogative. And we are living undoubtedly with the consequences of David Cameron's failure to manage uh, the vote in 2013 uh, over the red line, because I undoubtedly persuaded then the Americans to back off. And a sovereign government like ours, particularly, though I say, post-Brexit, wanting to look as a reliable ally a government's got to have the guts to make decisions and allow itself to be held accountable, but not allow votes that are always swayed by domestic considerations of certain elements. Now, I'm not a politician, but I will say I do. I am a historian and I've been on the sort of receiving end of this. So I do really I really feel that the, 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 the courses of the debate we had, but I really would urge politicians, whether it was Starmer in government to just make those decisions, and then be prepared to be held accountable for them, but not to vote on them. They are too important. They are too much the, uh, the, the, the purview of a sovereign government uh, and the executive to, take, take, uh, to have to take responsibility. So I will watch, and I really do hope that although there'll obviously be a debate, there'll obviously be the 
uh, Rishi Sunak held accountable, the, the military commanders uh, in their discussions with coalition partners, the Americans, really need, need to need to know their back is covered by a, by, a, by a robust government. I think that's a really interesting point. And it is one where it's clearly not the main takeaway from today in terms of what's happening. But I do think one of the consequences of this is Keir Starmer will be pressed further on what is his position now if he leads the Labour government when it comes to these type of situations happening. What level is the exception rule where you act and you don't need to go for the vote first, given he has suggested... Uh, his preference with the vote. And you've already got a couple of Labour MPs taking to social media today, um, you know, not just Jeremy Corbyn, newer you know, intakes mm. um, to, to question it. And it does mean that for all the work Labour have done, I think, to try and show that they that they can be a stable friend to Western allies. If you look at Keir Starmer talking about his support for NATO and so forth in contrast to Jeremy Corbyn. It does, of course, just remind you that it could be a little bit different under Labour in terms of how they approach foreign affairs. Mm. And Casey, just finally, Rishi Sunak's in Kiev at the moment. And the other news this morning is that the UK has announced a landmark new package of support for Ukraine. Could you maybe take us through that? Yes. So last night, when you know there are lots of questions going on about this, um, you began to get the sense that the Prime Minister was travelling somewhere, but because of security reasons, Diana Street did not want to give any details. As I mentioned earlier, Richard Sunak is in Ukraine. And this is a £2.5 billion commitment he'll be signing with Zelensky, which marks a £200 million increase on last year's pledge and means that they will uh, lead to drone technology increases as long as, as well as long-range missiles, air defence systems and general artillery ammunition. Now, it comes after Ukraine have been saying that they really need a lot more. And one of the big issues they have is in America, the debate is still ongoing about how much you give. And um, that's before you even get to what happens if there is potential change of president to the White House. Mm. So it's a really difficult stage in the Ukraine war. And this is you who trying to say, we are, you know, we are here for you. I think it is interesting behind the scenes. There are some who think that UK support has not been as strong as it was initially. I think Rishi Sunak is using this to try and say, you know, that we are still there. Mm. Great. Well, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Katie. And thank you very much for listening.